the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Amplify Peace. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Amplify Peace. We are all about exploring how we can listen, learn, and live differently in this crazy world. Together, we want to discover the impact of empathy, the strength of unity, the power of love, and the beauty of humanity. I'm your host, Lisa Jernigan, and joining me today is my good friend, Dr. Gil Odendahl. Now, there's so much I can say about, about Dr. Odendahl or my friend Gil, but let me just give you some, a few highlights. Gil is a missional entrepreneur with more than 30 years of ministry experience as a missionary, a pastor, educator, leader, author, and public speaker. He has served on staff with, and, and has served in significant roles at various organizations, including Saddleback Church and World Relief. But today he serves as the Executive Director of Life in Abundance Global Institute. He is also the author of Standing with the Vulnerable, a curriculum for transforming lives and communities. So, Dr. Gill, Gil, as I would say of my friend, hey, welcome to Amplify Peace. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. It's a delight to be here, and uh, I look forward to interacting with you. Oh my gosh! I, you know, when I re- read all that, what you're doing, it it just barely scratches the surface. And your your life experience in the global um, world, but even in the local church, is profound and it's deep and rich. And I, every time you and we have a conversation, I just learn so much. So I'm really excited for our listeners today to glean some wisdom from you and just. Help them see themselves even in the church differently. Like, what is our role as as people? We're not spectators, but we really get to join God in doing transforming and transformational work. And that's what you do. So I wanted you to ask you to just share a little bit about your story and why you do what you do today. Yes, um, I'll be delighted to do that, Lisa. Um, I mean... Forget everything else Lisa said about me, okay? Three things to remember is this. I'm an African by birth. I became an American by circumstances. And I'm a Christian by the grace of God. And that's Mm. what my citizenship is. And uh, I wish I could claim credit for some of the things and experiences I've had, but it's all God's doing. But here's the big lesson I've learned Everything that happened in our lives is with a purpose. God never wastes anything. And he prepares you for the next steps. Um, uh, Briefly, uh, you know, I did not grow up as a Christian, but as a young adult, uh, Christ invaded my life and everything was changed around. Uh, I grew up in South Africa, and as you know, that was known for apartheid in those years. And so I had a, a worldview that said, well, before the time, I don't like apartheid, you know, but hey, my skin color was okay. And then, of course, when I became a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and I saw the evils of apartheid. Mm -hmm. And um, we got involved, you know, you were labeled as a communist at times. 
but make a long story short, uh, after my conversion to Christ, it took another three years and I had to get out of that environment even. Where I came to a point where I said apartheid is not an evil system. Apartheid is sin. Mm-hmm. And it asks repentance from my side, change of heart. And God gave me the ability to begin to see people as he sees them. To see myself as he sees me, that I am redeemed, I am holy. But nothing I've done, and I know myself, I know myself better than you can ever know me. And yet God said, Gil, I love you so much, I died for you. And likewise, every person, doesn't matter who they are, are created in the image of God. And that became a driving force for me. Uh, I was speaking with an organization in at the University of Cape Town in 1996. I was invited to uh, speak about uh, racial reconciliation. And while there, I, for the first time, visited some of the townships in South Africa. Because as you know, uh, by law, you are not really allowed to go into those places. Uh, there's various regulations and rules. And for the first time in my life, I saw in a township of Kailicha, in just behind the big old table mountain in Cape Town, I saw poverty. I smelled poverty. I experienced poverty. And I'll never forget that night when we left that evening. It was about five o'clock. It was the middle of the winter, old stench in the air because a place that was supposed to host about 70,000 people were hosting more than 200,000 people. And black smoke was hanging over the place. And um, because everybody had a little coal stove, you know, black coal, that's how they make, cook their food. This is how they support themselves. And as I look back on that black smoke hanging over this stench in the valley, uh, God spoke to me and he said, Gil, the people who live on a trash heap has the right to know about the one who died on a trash heap called Golgotha. Mm-hmm. And from there, I got my marching orders. Uh, soon after that, I became part of medical ambassadors and started working in among uh, in relief and development work and specifically doing preventative medicine. That's what our strength was in. And uh, working with in- seamlessly integrating word and deed. So, Elisa, that's how I got into this work. Uh, my first assignment with uh, medical ambassadors, which work just about all over the world, was to help them develop new models for urban, what we call community health evangelism. It is to get into the uh, most uh, difficult areas. And I cut my teeth in Kenya on some of the big slums there and also in Manila, which was weird experiences for me, but very helpful. And in the process, uh, God helped us to create material and to develop not only strategies, but more important, a mindset mm-hmm. to begin to understand the value of these people, that they are created in God's image. They have potential. And uh, it's not for us, like I say, I, I don't feel like I help them. They kind of help me. I've learned from them. And it became really collaboration. And uh, from there, uh, I served for quite some time, as, as you mentioned, um, working specifically in Rwanda. That was in the years I was with Saddleback, helping directing the implementation of the peace plan. And from w- where I had opportunity 
to say, wait a minute, what I've been doing in medical ambassadors at that point, our focus was community focused. Because full disclosure, if you've asked me uh, to work with the local churches, I would have said, cut my right arm off. It's less painful because I'm tired of the fighting and the bickering in churches. But then God convicted me and said, Gil, whose idea was the church? And of course, I had to repent and say, Lord Jesus, you said, this is my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so it wasn't a matter of saying it is a problem to work with. It's to say, how do we work with it? And uh, I think the biggest insight I had, Lisa, was when I learned the big difference between working with the church and through the church. Now, th this may sound like nothing, but uh, it is huge. It's much more than just uh, grammar. What I've learned is that many programs, many organizations base their work in a church. With other words, I've got the money, I've got the ideas, I've got the program. I say, hey, Lisa, can I come and do my program in your church? And if you're a church in the third world, or at least in the global south, you're going to say, absolutely, please come in. And then I do my thing there, and guess what? When I get tired or get distracted, which I've seen so many organizations, they take off to a different place. But if you work through the church, you say, wait a minute. As I come in as an NGO, or as, as I come there, I am the bridesmaid. The church is the bride. Then you begin to say, okay, so how do I empower and unleash this capacity so that they own it? And it's to work together on that. And then it's not my plans, but it's, yes, it's in a sense, you give your ideas, but God begin to fold it because now you begin through collaboration. And it's that switch that had to take place in my mind to see, okay, these people we work with are my brothers, my sisters. It's not us and them. It's us. It's we. And they have so much more to offer than I can even think of. And when you start collaborating like that, things change. But you have to respect them as created in the image of God. And so um, maybe it's because the sands of Africa has always been in my sandals and will never get out of it. Uh, I was immersed all over Africa in, in various projects and works, and uh, I could see this work going on. And the second phase, I call it my second quarter of my life. My first quarter was really getting into community development. The second quarter was making the church the center taking the same principles and doing the church the center. And in my third quarter, which was at um, World Relief, I had the privilege of scaling. I had a deep desire to scale what we're doing. Okay, it was successful in one country. It, it worked well, but now let's do it globally. And uh, when I received the call from World Relief to ask them to come and help them make the church the center and to help scale a program, we, we ended up, we call it, the church empowerment zone structure, uh, I was able to help scale it. But maybe my fourth quarter is the most significant one in my life because it was like another conversion experience almost. I have been growing in my appreciation for what I call um, in, the develop, in the global south vulnerable missions. These are people, their hearts are as big as the ocean. 
were filled with the love of Jesus and trying to reach out to communities. But it's vulnerable because there's no structure in place. There's no succession plan. There's no managerial principles in place. And yes, God used it just like he used his church in the first um, book of Acts in in the first century. But there are so much potential that's not being capacitated. And so in my, I realized that there's a change taking place in the mythological field, uh, landscape. And uh, I think the biggest problem, or at least the biggest shift that very few people in the West understand is that the global South, and when I say global South, I refer to Latin America, Africa, and parts of Asia have changed from a mission field into a mission force. I mean, we know today Korea is the country in the world that sends the most missionaries, not the U.S. anymore. We also know that Africa has the most Christians in the world, the continent of Africa. And as a matter of fact, they say in 2015, there will probably be twice as many Christians in Africa as is in the continent that's closest to it, which will be Latin America. So there's incredible growth taking place in, in, in the continent of Africa and the need, and they've become missional and a mission force. And so it's not anymore from the West to the rest. It's now, and somebody even wrote a book on that, it's from Africa to the rest. And so in my fourth quarter, I am so glad that God gave me the opportunity to work with Life in Abundance, which is an Africa-based, Africa-founded, African-led organization that's seamlessly integrating the word and deed, proclamation and demonstration of the gospel, but also understanding it's not only word and deed, saying and doing that's important. The most important part is being my relationship with Jesus. And so Life in Abundance today work in 14 different countries around the world, but more important uh, God clearly led us as an organization to say the footprint will not um, increase. Our founder and uh, president, uh, Dr. Florence Mwundi, she's a Kenyan physician that started this mission organization, and God used her to lead it today still, um, said, but how can we also empower other people? And so the Global Institute, the Life in Abundance Global Institute, which which I serve as executive director, our task is basically to unleash the capacity of global South leaders so they can build the kingdom to the fullest extent. We invest our time through uh, uh, formal courses, informal education, uh, help organizations that are uh, poised for development and poised to increase their uh, their outreach to become ever more infected. Wow, I talked too long here, Lisa. Guide no, me. It's so much, so much there. I want to back up because there's so many things I could say, but um, in your book, Standing with the Vulnerable, it kind of goes with what you're saying. It's a mindset shifting that you had of how, you know, from even your own community and your own country where you, you started seeing things differently and God started really working on your heart. And it starts, like you said, it starts with each one of us. And in this, this space of peacemaking, which we both connected through P 
peacemaking when we met in, in, in Rhonda several years ago. But it is one of the things we had a conversation early on. It's a mindset shifting. And you talk about that in standing with the vulnerable, how we need to change how we see, how we hear, how we process, and how we see people. Can you talk a little bit about that through the lens of peacemaking, how that has led then? Because a lot of times it's hard for us to go to shift our minds on something because we've been so locked in a certain way of thinking and told that that's right and that's the best. And then sometimes we have to be disrupted and to go, okay, maybe there's a better way to see it, to think. Maybe God is trying to show me something and teach me something. Can you address, I just said a lot, but just the mindset shifting and then, which has led to what life in abundance does with this holistic impact model of seeing the whole person and seeing more of a complete story. Um, Give a little bit of context to all of that. Uh, yes, uh, Lisa, I, I think uh, my worldview, how I view my reality is probably the single most important change that have to take place in a life. Uh, you know, it's Nelson Mandela who once, and I can't remember the exact quote, uh, but he said, uh, we're beyond the time where Africa can blame others. We have to take responsibility because we don't uh, value ourselves enough. So w- when I think about how I view people, it begins with how I view myself. And, and in our model too of holistic uh, development, or we call it also pursuing holistic impact, we say there are four relationships that's very important to us. The first one is my relationship with God, but then my relationship with myself, my relationship with others, and my relationship with God's creation. I don't have time to go into all of it, but you can see uh, it starts with my relationship with God, which we know that that was broken in in the fall. Uh, That story is well known, but also my relationship with others were broken. I mean, good night, a husband and wife, Adam and Eve start bickering and uh, brothers start killing each other. You talk about total brokenness of relationships and then Following up on that is, of course, the, the brokenness of myself. It's interesting, the first thing we read in Scripture, that Adam said he was afraid. And God said, where are you? I said, I'm afraid. You know, and, and the lack for of security, of identity, and of uh, meaning in life is so important. And because of what I very, and I, I own it, but I think our media has been great in proclaiming all the mishaps in some of the global South countries, you know, and we major on it. And I often connect that with, I say the equivalent will be is when you read after Easter break here in the U.S. And they'll, they won't tell you 300 million people traveled and stayed safe and had a great Easter no, they'll say 20,000 died on car accidents. And, and that's basically what it is. Yes, there are horrific things. There's corruption in places. I've got a whole um, library showing out how people have abused the development system and the relief systems. But it doesn't negate the fact that there are millions and millions of wonderful Christians and the Church of Jesus Christ is growing in this continent. And what we're saying is let's unleash their capacity. 
And that capacity begin, and I say unleash, because it's not something we just, we, we, we don't come and give something, you unleash. Uh, th that person who was living in a, in a slum, in Mathari, where raw sewer is running through, I can show you uh, one of those little kids today that's a young man, and he's a banker. He went to the banking industry. Because there came a point somebody, one of his own people, went in and worked there with him through our through the organizations and say, you are created in the image of God. You have potential. This doesn't have to be your life forever. And I think that hope that only the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring unleash in people then the need. And so with our trainings, we concentrate on education. We, we train on uh, specifically empowering women because women are uh, in the global south often um, viewed as inferior. And to say, no, you are created in the image of God. And guess what? The Holy Spirit hasn't given his gifts in blue and pink boxes. It's all the same for everyone. Come and become everything God wants you to be. Uh, I get excited about this because we're busy with a cohort of three organizations, all three of them led by women leaders at the moment in our institute. And it's just delightful to see how God is using them. This is possible because their worldview changed, how they view themselves. And then, of course, they begin to view God not as a God that is hammering me like a, a slave driver, but a gracious God who gave himself for me, who desired my best. And God's word is not to cramp my style. No, God's word is my protection and provision. And that is the owner's manual. And, you know, we can choose to go without the Bible or we can go with it. And uh, it's like on Christmas Eve, I had that wonderful experience of putting a tricycle together and I ended up with some spare parts and a tricycle that wasn't working. And then my wife said, Gil, why don't you follow the instructions? And when I took the instructions out, all of a sudden things make sense. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a mindset change. And then when the mindset change, you begin to see opportunities and hope and God begin to use you. Mm. But I say this about life in abundance. Uh, the world is a mess. There's so many problems. And we can spend hours talking about water, uh, polluted water, hunger, child survival, uh, maternal health, issues like that. But it reminds me, the picture that comes to my mind, I'm very much into pictures, is like it's the father that came home from work and his son said, Daddy, can I play with you? And the dad just wanted a half hour for himself. He said, you know, and he had a, one of these old newspapers still. He used to read newspaper. And so on the back, he tore the back page of the newspaper off. And there was a picture of the world on it. And he was so excited. And he took his scissors and he quickly cut it up in pieces, messed it up. And he put it down. He told his six-year-old son, okay, when you've put the world together, put it together, then... We can play. And he thought, I'm going to have an hour tonight. About eight minutes later, the boy said, I've got the world together. Dad, can we play? That's, it's impossible. How did you do it? He said, oh, it was easy. He said, Dad, there was a picture of a man on the back of the map. 
And once the man was in place, the whole world came together. At Life in Abundance, we say when Jesus is in his rightful place, the whole world come together. And then it's word and deed, and it is practical. It is making peace. It's peacemaking strategies. Yes, we use all of that, but it's Christ that's in the center for us. And as long as he's in the center, these other things come in. Mm. Uh, I deeply believe in research. I deeply believe in technology and in using every and each ability we have to educate ourselves. But nothing can replace the power of God through his Holy Spirit. That's mm. there to illuminate our minds, to open our eyes, to see people not as trees, but as people they are. Absolutely. Well, we just have a, a, just a couple of minutes here. Um, as we conclude, again, thank you. And how can people find Life in Abundance? Uh, the, you can just Google lifeinabundance.org. Uh, okay. We're on the, on the net, and there you'll see uh, there's a lot of menus, and you can get to the Global Institute. We have a Global Missions Conference annually in September in Nairobi, and we want to invite anybody who wants to come, who wants to interact with other professionals and uh, missional workers from the global south uh, that's the place to gather with lisa was with us there it was wonderful last september uh, uh she was one of the speakers too and uh, we had more than 600 uh, national missional leaders there people from africa itself so on the website is the best place to get it well thank you for sharing just so much and challenging us even in our own mindsets, how we see ourselves and how we see God, how we see others and how we see creation. And I think that's been a new journey for me, just uh, really realizing the importance of how creation and humanity work together and, and just seeing the whole picture of, of creation and what God created. So again, thank you for so many great reminders as we just step out into this world, even today, after you've listened to this and just how are you going to see yourself? How are you going to see others as you just step into an ordinary day? But God wants to make it extraordinary by just speaking to each one of us. Well, as always, thanks for being part of this podcast and the Amplify Peace community. For more information on living as a peacemaker in today's world, connect with us at AmplifyPeace.com and you can follow us on all social media. Shalom. This program was sponsored by Amplified Peace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.